So, we're jumping back in to our sermon series using the Jesus Storybook Bible as our guide. And tonight, we're going to talk about the weird plan. And just heads up, I use the word weird a lot in this sermon, so it's a weird one. Um, So yeah, to start off, we're going to look at some stuff that is weird. Uh, You know, went looking on the internet, as you do, found some weird stuff. This is, you know, things that maybe shouldn't have been put out there into the world, but then ended up getting out there anyway. So first thing, vending machine cheeseburgers. Kind of a weird thing. Five fingers shoes. Anybody got a pair of those? (laughs) And that does. (laughs) It's pretty weird. The Lion King one and a half. What is that? I know, but I, I didn't see it. So that's weird. Is it a sequel? Is it a half halfway there? Halfway sequel? Furbies. Martin Luther King. Where's Calvin? Is Calvin here? Oh, there he is. What's the point, really, right? Caffeine-free Mountain Dew. like Yellow Starburst. Everybody just wants more red and pink, right? You like the yellow ones? All right. All right. High heel Crocs? Anybody? Anybody got a pair of those? <laughs> Mosquitoes? <laughs> that was perfect. Anybody know what those are? Those are gold poop pills. You swallow those and it turns your poop gold. Apparently that's a thing. I don't know. The internet says so. So DVD plastic wrap. Not the DVD itself, but just the plastic around the DVD. That's something that just shouldn't be there. That's weird. It's annoying. Single ply toilet paper. <laughs> you guys are getting you guys are getting weary. I can hear it. <laughs> Only a couple more. Purple highlighters. The the caption under this one was like, "What's the point?" Like then you can't see what you've just written. So that's a useless invention that is out there in the world. The word moist. (laughs) And Nickelback. (laughs) All right, so tonight we are talking about Joshua. We're in chapter 6, and we're just going to focus on verse 1 through 20. Uh, And this is basically... For those of you who know the story, Joshua goes into or leads the people 
into the promised land after they've been wandering in the desert for 40 years. And Jericho is the first city they come to. Uh, and this is the story of their interaction with the city of Jericho. So we're just going to read through this. Uh, and then we'll break it apart. Uh, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all, armed, all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in the front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them, Sound a long blast on the trumpets. Have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have the seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the Ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, Do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So he had the Ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the Ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the Ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the Ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day... They marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpets sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. I'll just leave that there for a minute. Weird story. Um, Hey, don't go and fight those people. Just march around the city a few times, and then when I tell you, just yell real loud, and then the city will be yours. Is that how things work generally in this life? 
Um, I think this is a cool story. I, I like the story of Jericho. Um, we'll jump. Well, we'll just we'll jump back in here. So the you can't read it, but no, no, don't go back, don't go back. There we go. Sorry, I knocked it over. Um, there we go. So this is the beginning of the story. After Moses died. God gave his people a new leader. His name was Joshua, which means the Lord saves. Joshua was going to lead God's people into the special land God had promised to give them. So this is just the backstory of where we got we get to Jericho is when the Israelis left Egypt, Israelites left Egypt, um, God promised to give them land. Then they wandered around in the desert for 40 years. Uh, and then this is the story of them coming into the land. By this time, God's people had been wandering around in the baking desert for 40 years. So you can imagine how sick they were of sand and anything yellow, like yellow starburst, and tents and walking and being hot. And how happy they were to reach the edge of the desert and to see their beautiful new home right there in front of them, all cool and green and lovely. There was only one problem, Jericho. Jericho was a city, but it wasn't just any old city. It was a fortress, and it stopped anyone from getting into the land. The people looked at Jericho, at the big, giant, scary walls around it, at the tall, towering ramparts, at the heavy iron gates bolted shut, and at each other. So God had promised this land to the Israelites. Got too much stuff. All right. And after wandering in the desert, they were now getting ready to take over. And this city, Jericho, stood in the way. It was a fortified city. Um looked probably something like this. Probably a lot bigger, but this is the cartoon version. A very heavy fortified wall with the city on the inside with people, uh, houses, different houses and stuff. I've, I read there were different numbers. They thought anywhere from maybe 300 people to 3,000 people lived in the city. Um, but after crossing the Jordan, it was the sort of the first stop where the Israelites were going. Um, so in verse one, it says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. So while the Israelites were wandering in the desert for 40 years, Word got around that these people had left Egypt, had escaped Pharaoh, and had crossed the Red Sea in a miraculous way, that the waters were pulled back and they went through on dry ground and then the waters closed up and all of Pharaoh's armies were drowned. 
So that word started to spread through the land and people started getting real worried about the Israelites. Then when Joshua took command after Moses had died, it was time for them to enter the land. Then a similar thing happened with the Jordan River. The men carrying the Ark of the Covenant walked out into the river and the river stopped. And the Israelites walked through on dry ground again. So this started getting around. So that's why it said Jericho had heard about this and they boarded up the city. They locked the gates and they were closed in and ready to stand their ground in this place. Um, so 40 years worth of folklore of the what God had done with the Egyptians had gotten around and the people of Jericho were fearful. Um, so sometimes when we feel we're wandering and there's not much going on in our life, sometimes that's just the time needed for God to build up your folklore. It's one way to look at it. Verse two, then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. That's past tense. God says, see, take a look. I have already delivered Jericho into your hands. And Joshua's thinking, we just got here. Um, yeah. Jo- Jericho had already been delivered to Joshua and the Israelites, even though it is still standing at the moment. Along with its king and its fighting men. So not just the city. Like, I have delivered Jericho to you, but now you got to fight for it. No, God says, and its king and its fighting men. I have delivered them all to you. And Joshua at that point believed God. Uh, And I think... You know, at that point, that that's all the information that Joshua needed. Um, Joshua was just one of those guys that trusted God immensely. Um, read Joshua if you want to learn how to have a stronger faith and to trust God more and better. Like, he is that guy. He just did what God told him to do, and it worked. So God gives Joshua the plan then at this point, the weird plan. You're going to march around the city once a day with the Ark of the Covenant and blowing the ram's horns. And then that's it. And then they, I don't know what, come back, hang out, eat lunch, have some dinner. There's a path. I I saw, I read some different figures about Jericho that some say it was maybe up to a mile in diameter. So, you know, you're walking a little bit more than a mile to go around the city. There's a path uh, near our house that Scarlett and I walk and the kids ride bikes and stuff on. And it's about 2.2 miles or something. And it takes us 45 minutes to an hour to go around that path. So I've heard different figures of 
maybe there was 40,000 men in the... So 40,000 men to walk around this thing could take most of the morning. But then that's it. They just walk around. Like, what were the people in Jericho thinking? Like, they're afraid of the Israelites, and now they're just circling them, but not doing anything. Like, are they taunting them? Like, what's going on? Um, And then, yeah, and then God says on the seventh day, then you're going to march around seven times. So that'll probably take a little longer. That'd probably take a good portion of the day. Then they're going to blow the trumpets. And then you're going to shout. And then the walls will fall and you'll take the city. And Joshua says, cool. So verse 6, he just goes into action. Called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant. Carry the trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, let's go. Let's do this. We got work to do. And they started. So they did this for six days. Joshua doesn't whine. He doesn't complain. He doesn't give excuses to God. He doesn't say, I can't because I'm tired. I can't because I'm afraid. I can't because um, people won't like me. I can't because the people of Jericho or mean, I don't know, whatever reasons. What are the reasons we give to God when he asks us to do something and we don't want to do it? Um, And so Joshua just says, okay, advance, let's go. I think for Joshua, the plan was almost inconsequential at that point because Joshua believed God. And God said, see, I have already delivered Jericho into your hands. So he carried out the plan. Um, and then they did just what God asked them to do. Get up every morning, first thing. Get their morning workout in. Walk a mile and a half, two miles. Cool. Moral of the story, get up every morning, take a 30-minute walk, right? Right? Thank you for laughing. Um, Then on the seventh day. Oh, can someone go get Joe real quick? He knows he knows what's going on. Just tell him it's time. Then on the seventh day, they're going to walk around seven times. And when the long horn blast comes from the ram's horn. Then shout for the Lord has given you the city. Um, and as I was looking at this thing today and this week, I don't think it was yelling at Jericho. I don't think it was a shout. I don't know if it was a battle cry. I think it was shout for the Lord has given you the city. I think it was like worship. It was a shout of what God has already promised, of what God has already done in their midst. Um, so, yeah, when Joe gets out here. We're going to do something. So Joe has a shofar. He's going to bring it out. 
He's going to blow it. And then we're going to shout as loud as we can in worship to God. This is not a, this is not a, let's sing pretty. Let's make a horrendous racket. Yeah. No, no. All right. So Joe's going to blow this horn here. No, no. Then we're going to make a horrendous racket. There's. Again. Thanks, Joe. Sure. (laughs) Thanks, Joe. (laughs) Joe is making our dinner tonight, so thank him later for blowing his horn and making dinner. All right, cool. You feel better? I do. After a good yell. (laughs) And then the walls collapsed. Weird, right? Like they didn't have to fight. They didn't have to engage in battle. Um... They just, the walls collapsed, and they went in and took the city. Um, and then the folklore then proceeded from there. Like, now at that point, they've crossed the Red Sea. They've wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. There was a couple things that happened while they were doing that. Then they crossed the Jordan River, and it was miraculously stopped. And now they marched around Jericho and shouted, and the walls collapsed. Um, so now the Israelites are kind of feared in the land. Um, but why, what is going on here? Like what a weird thing for God to tell Joshua to do, um, other than just to show his power, um, in the, at the end of the... Oh, no, I lost my place. At the end of this thing in the Jesus Storybook Bible. It says, They were ready to fight, but the plan wasn't about fighting. It was about trusting and doing what God said. Um, I think this story is pretty cool. He's good. He's just checking it out. Like some people have said that God caused an earthquake and the walls fell. I heard another thing being like the audio nerd that I am that the marching for seven days set up like a resonance under the ground. Um, when lions roar, they do. They have this low, like sub-frequency roar that travels through the ground, or travels along the ground, 
that like only other lions can hear. Um, like you can hear the roar, but then there's another part of it that's in the roar that travels along the ground and it kind of lets other lions know like who's in the area and what's going on. Um, there's, there's crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Like in World War II, they experimented with sonic weapons that played a six hertz tone. It's called the brown note because it makes you evacuate yourself if it's played loud enough. Um, like, so I've heard the theory that, you know, them marching around set up like a low frequency resonance under the ground. And then when they yelled, like, it vibrated the walls of the city down. Like it was a sonic weapon. Um, again, we don't really know. It's just stuff that I like to nerd out on. Oh, I got some more pictures. Uh, and then that one. So yeah, why the weird plan? What was the pur- purpose of marching around the city for seven days? Was it necessary? I don't know, but it was effective. They did what God asked them to do, and it worked. Um, even though it seemed weird. So, yeah, the plan wasn't about fighting, but trusting and doing what God said. And so God honored that with them. There's a lot of other stuff that happened in this story uh, and around this story. I just kind of wanted to focus on that part of it, of like, God asked Joshua to do this weird thing. He did it. And some more weird stuff happened. Um, And that's kind of cool. There's another weird plan. Well, there's lots of weird plans in the Bible. Crazy stuff happened. There's another weird plan that happened later. um, And that's what this book points us to in each of the stories. And that plan was Jesus. So the promise that God gave was to redeem the world. To bring a Messiah, to bring a Savior, to redeem the world. The the thing that was blocking the way to the world being redeemed was sin and death. Just like the city of Jericho was blocking the Israelites going into the promised land, sin and death stand in the way of our lives being redeemed. Um, it's, it's a weird plan. God sent a baby to earth, to a virgin. Not an army, not a ruler. Um, when we learn about famous conquests throughout history, we learn of people like Napoleon Alexander the Great, Hitler, Genghis Khan, these people used force. These people used their military skills, their might to go in and conquer things. But God sent a baby. He traveled around and he taught some weird things. Um, Then he died pretty unceremoniously. 
in the grand scheme of things. Um, but that weird thing paid the price for all of us. His death was a sacrifice to conquer sin and death, to cover over all of our shame, all of our things that we've ever done wrong. Um, and yeah, it's the greatest story that there is. That it wasn't a conquest through might, through power. It was a conquest of a baby and a growing into a man and that man dying to pay that price for us. We're going to use this as our memory verse for this week. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. We have redemption. It has been done. It is past tense. God's weird plan was telling Joshua to march around the city for seven days, then shout. God's weird plan was to send his son to die and to therefore save us. Um, God does weird stuff. What has God promised you? Maybe you don't know. Maybe you have no idea. Maybe God has promised you a relationship with him. Maybe that's as far as you've gotten. Maybe God has promised you, I don't know, any number of things. Maybe God has promised you to do more for his kingdom. Maybe God has promised to give you favor in someone's eyes. Be that a boss or a boyfriend, girlfriend, somebody that you like. You know, I don't know. Um, So think about if there's something God has promised you and what that is. And then are you trusting and doing what God says, even if it seems weird? Maybe you haven't done it. Maybe you haven't accepted that promise or even tried to go that direction because it seems too weird. Like, and yeah, you should definitely be careful. But there's also times where go and do the weird thing if you feel that it's from the Lord. And then lastly, do you believe what God has already done? Do you believe in the past tense? Do you believe that your sins are forgiven, that has you've been paid for by Christ, and that that's done? And now you can trust what he has to say for you in your life because that has been done. That was taken care of on the cross 2,000 years ago. Yeah, God does weird stuff. What has God promised you? Are you trusting in doing what God says, even if it seems weird? And do you believe what God has already done? That's, that's what I got out of this story of looking at it 
looking at Jericho and just the crazy weirdness that was going on there. Um, We're going to go into a time of communion now. And communion is just a way to remember said weirdness. That God went to the cross for you and died next to thieves. Not as a triumphant military leader or a king, but so that your life could be saved. The night before Jesus went to the cross, he was hanging out with his friends and he said, I want you to remember what I've done for you, what I'm about to do for you. And anytime you eat this bread and drink this cup, I want you to remember what I've done for you. So the way we do it here is you take a piece of bread, rip it off, There's some gluten-free crackers available also, and you dip it in the cup. The bread signifies Christ's body, which was broken. It was pierced. He bled out, and he was hung on a cross to die. And the cup signifies the blood, which was poured out. And that offering was all for you. For me, for us. Tyler's going to play some music. Um, And if you believe what God has already done for you, then come and remember. If you don't, if you're not there yet, um, then maybe refrain from taking communion. But if you would like to make that real in your life, then that is a good way to say, God, I believe what you did for me. I believe the weird thing that happened, that you died on the cross for me. And that everything that I've ever done wrong has been paid for. And I can move forward in that. So that's a good way to enter into that relationship by taking communion, if you would like to do that. I'm going to pray real quick, and then uh, if the people who are serving can come up and um, and just any time during the last worship set that you want to come and t- partake in communion, please feel free to do so. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the weird stuff you've done, all the amazing, crazy miracles that you've done. God, and I just ask that we would trust you. I ask that we could be like Joshua and obey you and do the things you ask us to do, even if it's weird. Lord, I thank you for your body and your blood and the horrendous sacrifice that you made for us. And God, just thank you for this time in which we can remember all of that. Amen.